Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. series. Hope you're enjoying it. Um, I hope it's not um, getting too um, monotonous kind of my voice over the last number of Sunday nights. Um, but we feel like the Lord is just speaking and moving and uh, we're going to, um, uh, sp- I'm going to speak tonight. Um, Adam Cox, our good friend from Kansas City, is going to be here next week. He's going to be speaking in Portadown on Sunday morning and then he'll be speaking here Sunday night. Very much kind of keeping on the theme. And then we'll roll in the final Sunday night of the month into our encounter night, which will continue on this sort of theme as well. And um, and we have a number of thoughts about what to do after that, but we'll, when we figure it out, <laughs> we'll let you know because we feel the Lord is continuing to speak. Um, so um, ho- ho- mo- most people have probably been on the journey. If it's your first night with us, hopefully you can pick up the kind of flow of wor- where we're at at the moment. Um, uh, we've been on a theme, uh, as is on the screens, called Do It Again. We feel that the Spirit is leading us, uh, stirring us, building faith within us um, to live with increased sense of hope in these days in which we live. In the sentence, it feels like uh, what, what this series is about is the Holy Spirit stirring an imagination within us um, for awakening. And uh, I'm trying to help us understand that we're not in revival at the moment. That's not our current reality but we may be moving towards one. And if we are, then what would be the preconditions of that? What would be some of the things that we could learn from the Bible? And what would be some of the things that we can learn from from history as we kind of pray this prayer? Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day, in our time. Make them known. And in wrath, remember mercy. And um, if we are potentially around about that blue arrow, um, uh, is the Lord renewing us for something that he wants to do? We want to be curious about the times in which we live, um, because ironically, for, so, for some people, maybe, we can actually take encouragement from the times in which we live in an ironic, redemptive kind of way, because even though it's turbulent and fractious out there, we're very much living in times similar in the past when God really moved in powerful and dramatic ways. Um, but also alongside what we see happening in there, out there, if that's the way to put it, we also sense God stirring in here. He's speaking to us. He's stirring us. He's um, building expectation in our hearts. And so we want to be ready, I suppose. We want to be prepared. We want to um, be a people that um, are hungry and open to whatever the Lord wants to do. And um, just by way of recap, there's the six kind of things that I've been looking at over the last four or five weeks that are what I would say maybe preconditions towards revival are things that would be pertinent as we move towards times of awakening. And last week, um, I'm not going to go through those tonight. If you if you want to, just by way of just to try and save time, please listen to the podcast. That will help you. But it was amazing last week um, just to sense the weight of God's presence in the room and to sense that increasing amongst us, to sense hunger in the room. God really honors hunger. The Bible says in Proverbs that the appetite of a laborer works for him. Your hunger works for you. 
And God honors hunger. He responds to hunger. And even if we not feel hungry as much as we should, you know, to ask God to make you hungry, to be hungry is a great place to start. And God really honors even that. And um, uh, we wanted, you know, I got the sense last week, the purity of wanting God. Um, God responded to that. And uh, I believe we're going to see more days like that ahead. Which is why last week we said, um, and hopefully that was okay to say, that you know, we want to honor God and we want to honor time, but ultimately we want to honor God. And so when God moves the way he's moving on us at the moment, if people need to slip on at a particular time, that's no, no problem at all at 8 o'clock. Um, but if we feel the Lord's moving, we want a great space for that. Um, because we feel like in the days ahead, the Lord is leading us into deeper and deeper intimacy. And he wants to undo us in ways that other things stop mattering just as much as they used to. And so I want to talk a bit more about that. And so before I kind of push into what I want to say tonight, there's, there's loads more I, I really wanted to get to tonight, but I feel like I'm supposed to kind of park that until potentially after um, half term and stuff. Because I feel like to stay in step with the Spirit tonight, there's some things that he wants us to stay around, particularly when it comes to the presence of the Lord. And also just to qualify and to try and provide some language and help around what happens when God moves the way he moves in our hearts like he did last week. <clears throat> because it's amazing to see people respond in hunger and desire for the presence of God. It's, it's amazing to feel the weight of his presence. Um, and I've felt it throughout the week, even as we pushed into new places with the Lord. And I feel it here tonight. I feel the weight of the presence of God. Yeah, Just the weightiness, just, just resting on his people. He loves to come. And... Um, but it's also important that we don't um, call something uh, something that it's not yet. Does that make sense? So it's important that we don't call things like last week revival. Because revival is not that. That's part of the renewing that God is doing. But it's important that we don't start putting tags on things that they've not yet become. For three quick reasons. And I think these reasons are really important. First of all. We become small-minded. If we think that revival is simply a really good church meeting, right, then we become small-minded. If that's all we think it is, then we limit our thinking and we limit God. Because as we've said in previous nights, that revival and awakening is when the spirit breaks out, not just on the church, but on the streets. And the demonstration of his power and his presence is evident in an incredible, dramatic, and powerful way. There's an acceleration Jonathan Edwards says, of the normal working of the Holy Spirit, if that's the way to put it, right? Like what happens, what takes 20 years to happen, happens in two days or two hours maybe, yeah? And so it's important that we realize that's the day we're living for, yeah? That's the day we long for when there's even more um, of a demonstration of the power and the presence of God. But is God renewing us? Yes, yeah? Second reason why it's important that we don't call things things are not is pride. Um, it's important that we don't allow ourselves to get caught up in language. We're all prone, particularly preachers, are prone to a bit of hype, uh, are prone to over-exaggeration. Do the way we said how many people responded on Sunday night, and we say, oh, about 15. It was really like 10 and a couple of people that you ministered to, and so you round it up to like around about 15, yeah? It, when, when revival comes, you're going to you get stuff like that because we're human. And wherever there's human beings, you get the flesh. And so when God starts to move, 
you get to see some amazing Holy Spirit stuff, but you also get to see some flesh because we're human beings, right? So it's important not to get all cynical about that, but just to accept it and keep your eyes on Jesus, yeah? When, uh, but what, what is important to say is it's, um, it's important that we don't tag on to our church because that would sound really good for our church to be known as the church where it's all happening. You understand? Yeah. And so, it, so that's why it's important that we don't call things revival that are not revival. Let the presence of God speak for itself. Yeah. Let, let the reputation of God speak for itself. I, I believe God is doing stuff, and I believe he's going to do more in the days ahead. And maybe this is part of my pride that I have to deal with. But what I don't want is, I don't want to be one of those kind of stories where people talked up about how amazing it was in their church, and people getting planes, and people travel to that church, and they're kind of disappointed when they get there. Because it was a lot of talk that wasn't really that much different when they got there. I don't really want that for us. I want when people come and they will to experience the real thing. The real thing, yeah. The presence of God. And the third reason why it's important, just just mention it, is that because sometimes we miss the main thing. And what I mean by that is, and I'm probably preaching to my own heart here as much as I'm preaching to you tonight, is um, sometimes we want and we become obsessed with revival more than we do with Jesus. In the process of the Lord stirring up an imagination for awakening and for revival, we have to be careful that we don't become so obsessed with it that we lose the captivation of his beauty in the midst of it. We can become obsessed with revival for revival's sake. We want this thing so much. And because there's often a little bit of pride and a little bit of reputation that goes along with it, we lose focus on the real thing, on the one thing, on the one person more accurately. See, sometimes what you learn as you grow in your faith is that you can become obsessed with something that's good, but you miss the God, <laughs> right? And, and good's the enemy of the best often. And often the Bible tells us that the enemy comes like an angel of light. Imagine that. He doesn't usually come like a wee kind of devil on a fork, you know, with like a fire thing on his head or something, no. He comes, the Bible says he comes as an angel of light. That means he presents himself sometimes like angelic and holy or good. And so we all get duped into thinking that that thing that he's putting in front of us is really good, but really it has the appearance of holiness, but it leads us away from Jesus. It loses focus on Jesus. And so I suppose I say what I'm saying tonight is because I feel like the Lord wants us to remind us. Desi said this little phrase to me during the week, and it really stuck with me that revival is in him. Yeah. Revival is in Jesus. Revival is not in revival itself. And it's not in our own ideas, our own past experiences. It's not in past revival experiences as much as, much as we're being inspired by them. It's not even in a good desire for revival. That's a good thing. But revival, first and foremost, is in Jesus. Remember Vision Sunday this year? The vision is Jesus, yeah? You only really truly get revived when your heart gets captivated and ravished by Jesus and by his presence. You only truly get revived, yeah, when your heart gets totally ravished, totally wrecked, totally messed up in all the right ways by the love 
of Jesus. And so here's, here's what I'm saying to the Lord. And every bit of, I, I, as you know, I've turned 40, right? So that whole second half of my life, most of the last 20 years of my life, and definitely the whole second half of my life, that's what I'm living for. I'm living for revival, right? If I had to write one of those, like, what do you think you had to write, like, when you're in careers and all school, like, what are you living for? That's what I would write, okay? I'm living for revival. But here's what I've had to come to say to the Lord over the last number of weeks. I suppose even tonight, maybe even pertinently for me, I feel like I'm preaching my own kind of sermon tonight to myself, first and foremost. Even if revival didn't come, I'd still worship Jesus every day of my life because he's so worth it. Yeah? Even if it doesn't come, even if I don't see it, is it still worthwhile worshiping Jesus? Is it still worthwhile lingering in his presence? Is it still worthwhile letting the meetings run on a little bit longer and, you know, not having to get home to watch whatever's on now on Sunday night? Would it still, it'd still be worth it because Jesus is worth it, yeah? And so <coughs> over the next few weeks, as I say, I have some thoughts. I have kind of the next sermon almost kind of done in some ways. I've got, I've got thoughts, but I think God wants the awakening that I do think he wants to pour out. I've got those kind of thoughts gathered in a document on my computer, um, but I had to like stop printing out at a certain number tonight because I feel like he just wants us to stay on this for a while. He really wants our attention. He's really renewing us at the moment because ultimately he wants us to enjoy him. He wants us to find wholehearted joy and satisfaction in him. He wants to lead us into deeper intimacy and relationship, and he wants to wean us. He wants to wean us off the things that our hearts are tethered to, often the good things, because the enemy comes as an angel of light telling you some things are good that you are given time, money, and part of your heart to, and they're not God, even though they might seem good, right? And God wants our, our hearts to become a living sanctuary for his presence. And so as that intensity of his love comes and as he manifests his presence to us, as we talked about last week, we become aware of the weight of his glory, yeah? Because his glory means his weight. And so we learn as a people how to wait on the weight, right? We learn how to wait on the weight of his presence. And part of what he's teaching us is that in this new level, I think, a new depth of intimacy that he calls us into as his people. It's not about just receiving from him. It's like, I feel like the Holy Spirit is wanting to graduate, if that's not too cheesy a term, right? He's looking to graduate some of us tonight in our worship. Because he's looking us to understand as we wait on the weight of his presence. The part of what he is calling us to is not just to come to receive for him, even though we should do that, but it's learning how to discover the joy of what it is to minister unto him. And for some of us, uh, we've never heard that even talked about before. And others of us, we've heard it, but we've never really fully understood it or maybe did it. And there's others of us who, of you who, who have been doing this and find it a delight. I want to talk about this a little bit more tonight, and I want us to respond in, in, in this way. So often we come to the Lord to receive, and we should, but the Lord matures us into a place where we begin to overflow in love for him, where we start to give something on to God, where we give him a gift 
And this is what I want you to think about tonight. I want you to think about how we give God a gift. We give a gift to God when we come to minister under his house. Because a gift is something that wasn't necessary necessarily. A gift is something that's not necessarily required. A gift is something you give because you want to honor the person that you're giving it to. And God gave that to us in Jesus and in the sacrifice. He gave us a gift, right? He didn't have to, but he loved us and he wanted us to. And therefore, he wanted to. And therefore, God invites us to share in the same love, right, as he showed us. He invites us to share into that and to give on to him. It's something more than needed just because there's a desire to bless the one that you're giving it to. And there's a sense in which we could say God doesn't need it because God's not like us. He doesn't have any lack in him, right? He doesn't need our love because he's insecure and he needs to feel more loved in that way. It's the opposite of that. He's so pure in love. He's so full of love that it overflows out of him. And that love that overflows out of him, he spills into us. And then that love that's spilled into us, he invites us to love him back in return. And so the whole essence of our existence is that we would learn to love God that the way he, in the way that he loves us. You with me tonight? You sure? Right? It's like a beautiful arrangement, right? It's not like, let's get our ticket to heaven, right? It's not just pray the prayer and get the ticket. You get heaven, but you get heaven now, right? In that God invites us into loving relationship in the same way that he loves us. And I feel like for some of us tonight, this is where you're going to realize that this is what you want to give your life to for the rest of your life. Because this is where you were born. And when we love God, we touch his heart. We minister to his heart in a deep, deep way. I don't know if you've got the blessing and privilege to have kids. And when they come and they tell you they love you for no other reason other than they do. When they see past saying thank you just when they get sweets. Or when they, say, when they see past saying thank you just when you're returning home from being away and giving them a present. But they just say thank you or I love you. Right? That does something. It ministers on to the father heart. Right? Because they didn't need to. It wasn't required. It wasn't even necessary because you still love them whether they say that or not. But the very fact that they did, it ministered onto your heart. And that's just a little way that we can help describe the purity and the essence of the love that God is bringing us to. It's quite hard to preach, to be honest, because it's quite hard to find words for because it's beyond words. Right? It's beyond words. It's a place of pure presence. It's a place of pure love. It's a place of pure affection. There's no selfish ambition in this love. There's no possessiveness. There's no manipulation. There's none of those games that we play to try and make sure that they would give me love because they kind of deserve to give me love because I did that for them. It's nothing like that. It's a pure light of love shining into our hearts that when it hits our souls, it frees us, completely frees us, unlocks something in us in the core of who we are, allowing us to be our true selves, not having to live up to any other kind of expectation that other people have placed in us because we're loved for who we are and it relaxes us into the person that we were created to be and stirs within us a desire to give back to God that same kind of love. This is what the love of Christ has shown us. And that kind of love is the Holy Spirit. The Father loves the Son, right? 
The Father loves the Son. I mean, if you could just, if we could just get more of an understanding how much the Father loves the Son. The Father loves Jesus with everything that he has. And Jesus receives all that he has, all his understanding of his love for himself, if that's the way to put it, from the Father. And Jesus freely offers his life back in return to the Father. And the Father says, okay, because of that, I'm going to raise you up, Jesus the Son, above every other name. The love between the Father and the Son is is stunning. It's mysterious. It's beyond what we can imagine. And it's so strong, I believe. It's the personality of the Holy Spirit is that love. He brings us the love of the Father and the Son. That's who he is. He is poured out into the hearts and lives of those who accept Jesus. And so when we're in a place of worship and we're receiving the love of God, it's our spirits entwined with the Holy Spirit and we then start to minister back. It's like we've got caught up in the love of the Trinity. We start to minister onto his heart. Now, I know, like, you know, Ed Sheeran's not going to write about that, right? And I know as much as we love Adele and all of that, great singers, good stuff, all of that, but it's all about, you know, it's all going to be about, like, brokenheartedness, all of that kind of stuff. It's all going to be around that narrative, and that's all great, right? Because we're broken kind of human beings, and we connect with that, but where God is calling us into is a place where we're, so, where we're whole, we're healed, we're fully restored, and, and out of that place, we flow back with love to him, and we minister onto his heart. We reach a place where we just want to give, and we want to give, and we want to give more because we've been so touched by the love of God. It's like, the, in, the song of, um, it's like in the song of Solomon, I have found the one my heart loves. When you find the one your heart loves, it awakens something in you that all you want to do is give back. And that's what I feel like the Lord is saying to us, that if we are going to be a people awakened towards revival, we need to learn how to be a people, how to minister on this heart. And I feel, I, I don't want to put numbers in this because uh, I don't want it to sound like kind of I'm creating an elite here tonight. But I feel like there is a small number of people, let me put it like that, in our church that n- know what that means, that God has called them into that place, a small portion of people. And I feel like to be a, a revival church, the Lord tonight and over the next number of weeks, and this is what he has been doing, he's calling a whole church to be a body together that minister onto the heart of God, to be a whole body, a critical mass of people, hundreds of people that minister onto the heart of the Lord, that don't let the fire go out because they're so hungry to be in his presence. And not just because of what they're getting, but because of what they're giving, how they're ministering up into the heart of God. And the older you get in life, when I'm talking about my kids, and what that does to me, the older you get in life, because you start to understand that you understand with your own kids, you understand what it means to your own parents. Does that make sense? Because you understand what it does to your heart with your kids, you start to understand what it does to your parents. So it gives me great joy now where I can to minister unto my parents. Does that make sense? Now they're still looking after me for the most part, right? But but it gives me great joy when I can get to the place where that can change and I can, I can please them, even when it's not necessary, even when it hasn't been required, even when everybody says it's a waste of time. No, it's worth it because Jesus is worth it. Yeah, 
so maybe the best analogy in scripture for this is not analogy, actual story, sorry, is Matthew chapter 26. Well enough past, well known passage, Matthew 26. When Jesus was in Bethany, in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar, a very expensive perfume. In some of the translations, I think it tells us, just so you know, very expensive means very expensive. It was 300 denarii. The perfume was nard, and that meant it was a year's wages worth. Okay? A year's wages. So think about what you get for a yearly wage. 15 grand, 20 grand, 30 grand, 40 grand, 50 grand, 80 grand, 100 grand maybe for some of you, right? Students, 20 quid, right? <laughs> right, think about, think about whatever a yearly wage is. And in a moment, because we would all say, oh, we give our lives to Jesus, right? We'll give, our li- oh, we'll give everything to Jesus to serve him, right? But in a moment, a year's wages, a whole year's wages, would you give it? Would you pour out a whole year's wages just in a moment of spontaneous love? This is what this woman does. Everybody else, you know, and and some of the other, like, accounts of this, you know, we get, or potentially a different story, different scholars probably have different ideas, and, you know, in some of the other kind of contexts, you get the the malls sitting around, you know, like all the Pharisees sitting around, they're probably discussing maybe, like, theology or something. And then into this kind of scene, this woman, but in this case, Matthew tells us Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper. A woman came to him with an alabaster jar, a very expensive perfume, which he poured out in his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste? That's a waste. Like a year's wages worth of perfume. And just poured it all out in Jesus. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. And when she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare for me my burial. Truly I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. At the heart of this story is a woman about whom Jesus says, she has done a beautiful She has done a beautiful thing. Wouldn't you love to hear Jesus reply to something that we do and just say, boy, he's done a beautiful thing. He's done a beautiful thing. You see, Jesus said that, us, (laughs) right? We say, why this waste? Jesus says, she's done a beautiful thing. See, perfume's one of those things that isn't needed. I, I have aftershave, but I'm not very good at putting it on, right? I keep forgetting, right? I've moved on from Old Spice too, okay? Um, you can get away with it because it's not necessarily needed. It's just not beautiful. You just don't smell great. And she pours on Jesus something that wasn't necessary to do. She could have got away with it. She could have came to church like everybody else comes to church. She could have listened to the sermon. She could have been a good girl. Kept her mouth shut, sung the songs, listened to the preach, and gone home. But she disrupted the room 
because of her extravagant love. And Jesus said, she has done a beautiful thing. And last week as we responded to God, and we ended up here quite late, I think that's what was happening. And I don't want to glorify the length of the meeting, because it's nothing really to do with that in and of itself. And again, we can get, to go back to my first points, you can get a bit like proud and religious about that stuff. Oh, it was a powerful meeting, like, you know, we're here to like near dark. And you're like, well, it doesn't really matter. Like, what was happening in the meeting is probably more important, yeah? So it's not really glorifying that. But I think what is happening is the Holy Spirit is breaking into our worlds and disrupting some of our categories. And what God is teaching us, I think, is it really is all about him. And what he's saying is, here, guys, see what you were doing there. That's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. You're ministering onto my heart. In the Bible, there was two words for minister. There was a Hebrew word, sharath, which meant to attend to, to minister onto, to serve or to wait upon. This would have been like the priests when they were working in the tabernacle. And they would have waited on in the same way like they on, that you'd wait on somebody like a waiter would. Yeah. So, and, then, and then there's this other word, amad, which we see in the Psalms. It's to stand or to abide, to continue, to remain, to tarry in or to step. This was the word for minister, to minister unto the Lord. So, for example, in Psalm 134, praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who minister by night. That was that word, amad. So what were they doing when they were ministering by night? What were they doing? They were standing and abiding and tarrying and being with God. Because that's what God loves. That's what God loves. That's a beautiful thing to him. When you just come and you minister on his heart. You do something deep into his heart. And what will seem like a waste of time to others, just being in the presence of God. And we, we may, we may, you, will, you will at some point feel the scorn of others. Some of your mates would be like, who's staying on there? If I haven't made you run on again. We're all going to McDonald's, so forget about that. You know, you will feel like a little bit of like arrows kind of coming at you a little bit at times. And why this waste? It's a beautiful thing to Jesus. It's a beautiful thing to Jesus. Pete Gregg, and only kind of Pete Gregg-esque language, says it like this. Learning to dwell and even to sleep in the love of the Father is offensive to the strategic part of our brains, a violation of the ego, a sort of dying. It can seem irresponsible. Like David dancing in his underpants when he should have been thinking of his reputation as a national leader. And it, it, can, it can appear prolific and super spiritual like the psalmist yearning, fainting, and even crying out simply to be in God's dwelling place. It can seem naive and scandalous like Mary of Bethany splashing bottles of Chanel on Jesus' feet where the money could have been used to feed the hungry. It can be inefficient like Jesus staying up all night in prayer when he really needed to be sharp the next day. It can appear selfish like Mary abandoning her sister, peeling the spuds in the kitchen so that she could recline at the feet of Jesus. This is what we're being drawn into, I think, people. Pre-revival times, pre-revival times of learning to minister onto the heart of God, to enjoy him, <laughs> to minister onto his heart. So, like, just, like, let your car, if you do a number of car journeys, let them become, like, portable sanctuaries. 
just to enjoy God, to minister unto his heart, to tell him that you love him, to commune with him in new ways, to bless the Lord. I actually really think God is speaking to us over the last number of years about this. Um, Some of the elders and other leaders will know that we've had a number of words like this, and I feel like we've been kind of getting it. And I think that any success that we have had as a church is because we've kind of got it. But this, this is next level now. And this is not for, do you know when you go, when I was growing up, I was thinking about this this week, you know, you had like these stories about the, like the holy little missionary woman who was amazing. And when she just walked into a room, like she carried the presence of Jesus. And like you were brought up with those kind of stories is great. But I feel like what God's saying in these days, it's, it's not just about the wee holy kind of missionary woman. It's about students and factory workers and business people carrying the presence of God. It's about the people that you work with them are going, what is that smell about him? Like in a good way. It's the fragrance of Jesus, right? It's the fragrance of Jesus. And um, and this is what I, I, I've loaded you tonight, but I'm, not, I'm only going to do five more minutes, I think. Isn't that what you're saying, Lord? <laughs> Isn't that the conversation with the Holy Spirit here? I think he's saying just to do another five minutes, all right? So we'll, we'll see. I'm going to try and be obedient too. You can hold me to it, right? But I want to encourage you, make this your main ministry. Young people, you're not just over here. Make this your main ministry. Some of you will have, all of us have got ministries, wherever God has called us to. Some of us will have church ministries. Make this your main ministry. This is the main ministry. Ministering on to the heart of Jesus. Ministering on to his heart. And, um, and when we do, we will change atmospheres, right? We will change atmospheres as we carry the presence of God. Because what we realize about the story that we just read about there in um, Matthew chapter 26, the woman who poured out the nard on Jesus, what we realize is that the questions that we have, and alluding to as well in Pete's quote, the questions that we have, is this really productive? Is this really getting the work done, God? That's the where my brain goes to with this kind of stuff. Was that really a worthwhile meeting? Like, did we really get to the point where we were supposed to because... I have a load of notes, and we didn't really get to them because it seemed, you know, all that kind of stuff, all those questions, we start to realize in this story that we get answers for them. We do get answers. The answer to the question, is this doing actually anything for the Lord, like the work that we're supposed to be doing, particularly if you're from like a kind of Protestant, kind of strong work ethic kind of background. Like we we come from that kind of mindset of are we really being productive? Is this really doing the business? And we see the answer to this question is yes. I should say their Protestant evangelical mindset is what I mean by that, not just like a Protestant thing. That Protestant church evangelical mindset of just strong kind of work ethic, is this productive? Are we doing? Are we sound? Right? And, and this kind of goes against some of that stuff. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Four, maybe five days after this, Jesus was going to hang on a cross. She knew what was going on, kind of, even though she didn't fully know what was going on, more than all the religious people sitting about around her. She knew what was going on. She did something prophetically in that moment. And Jesus connects her act of wasteful worship to the gospel being preached. Right? Do you see that? 
Truly I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. So if you're worried about the act of wasteful kind of worship ever actually doing the business, what Jesus is saying is this radical act of actual wasteful, wasteful worship is actually going to change the world because the gospel is going to be preached. People are going to come to salvation. And so what I, what I really want to kind of come against today is the lie that sometimes doesn't really think that that means anything or does anything. Because every act of what we might describe in our rational brains as wasting our time on Jesus will go out and change the world. It was a prophetic act. And the beautiful thing about this is, Nard, nard apparently, I'm not really into my perfumes, you'll be glad to hear, but Nard was very strong. In those days, people didn't shower every day. And so if Jesus, <laughs> I'm trying not to joke there, right? But in those days, not everybody showered every day, right? And it could well be that if Jesus died on the cross, which he did four or five days later, that the perfume that she poured out on him was still wafting off his body. And what if in his final breath, when he gave in to the hands of a father his, worship, his, his life, what if, what if the final thing he smelt was still the fragrance of worship that this woman extravagantly poured out on Jesus? A whole year's wages, folks. Forty 30, 25 grand's worth. We know in our heads that in the grand scheme of things isn't a lot of money. We know in our heads that Jesus deserves everything that we have because of what he's done for us. But when we're really pushed to it, when I'm really pushed to it, would I do that level of extravagant worship? If Jesus was here, would I pour my yearly salary over him just because that's all that I have and that's all that I want him to know? in order that I could minister onto his heart. Because you see, the thing about it is, if we're going to talk waste, the cross, it almost sounds irreverent to say this, but follow my line of thought for a minute. The most wasteful act of love was the cross. It wasn't necessary in a sense. Jesus didn't have to do it. Imagine a 33 living a perfect life. What he could have been, what he could have gone on to become, what he could have done. But because of the perfection of love, he poured out his love. He poured out his love. And it was more than a year's wages worth. It was everything he had. He poured it out and he poured it out. And he poured it out, and he poured it out. And if you can imagine really kind of strong perfume being poured out, glug, 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 just pouring out, pouring more out on Jesus, pouring more worship out on Jesus. If you can imagine that metaphorically, Jesus giving up his life, and those three hours of darkness, he's just giving his life. He's pouring out his love. He's pouring out his love. He's pouring out his love for humanity. And then, in saving our souls and drawing us into relationship with him, he invites us into this flow the Holy Spirit, the love of the Father and the Son, he invites us 
into this love of worship. And that's always been his heart. That's always been his heart. Uh, you know, we could, I could talk about Eden. I could talk about Abraham. I could talk about the children of Israel. I could talk about the tabernacle. I could talk about the incense going up night and day. I could talk about the fact that God wanted to come and dwell amongst his people. I could talk about all those things. In fact, they're all in my notes, but I'm going to stop, right? Because I want us to respond. Because this has always been the heart of God to have a people that will minister onto his heart. The Moravians, who we've mentioned, who were the, I suppose, inspiration for 24-7 prayer, that in 1727, when the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they started to pray night and day, and they said, from that verse in Leviticus, never to let the fire go out. Yeah? And they sparked the greatest mission movement that had ever been in those days. Why? Because every wasteful act of worship will go out and change the world. And here's the thing. We all have lived long enough, I think, to know people out there can smell. They can smell whether you're carrying life or whether you're carrying some form of religion. It's just not really that great a smell. Or they can tell whether we're carrying the fragrance of Jesus. And the fragrance of Jesus comes by being caught up, caught up in the minister, ministry onto his heart, yeah, where we pour it out. We pour out our love to Jesus, and we learn how to live in overflowing love. The gift of love we give to Jesus is the Holy Spirit in us helping us to minister back onto his heart. And as we do that, we're changed, and we're transformed, and we live in the joy <laughs> We live in the sheer joy. <laughs> it's so much. Honestly, it's not like it doesn't make life easy, but it's the sheer, sheer, unadulterated, unbridled joy and peace of being one with your maker, receiving the perfection of love and giving it back to him. He who, um, where there is fear, essentially, John tells us, is because there has not yet been the perfection of love and a pre a pre-revival people will start to understand what it is to minister on to the heart of God maybe the band would come maybe just take a moment why don't you just allow if you want to you can close your eyes just for a moment and allow the Holy Spirit just to rest on us Allow the Holy Spirit just to rest on us and draw us deeper into his heart. Thank you, Father.
Spirit is the one who he, he draws us in these moments. He draws us into that place of wanting to just inverted commas waste our lives and waste our love on Jesus. He's the one who draws us into that place. And as as we do it, and as we release the perfume of our lives, if that's that costly, costly perfume, whatever that looks like for you, whatever you want to give to Jesus tonight. It's the Holy Spirit draws us to that place, and as we do that, and as the fragrance leaves that place and goes out into the world, that is the presence of the Holy Spirit. You're going to watch Him. You're going to watch Him move in the days ahead in new ways. We're going to watch Him move. Things that we couldn't have engineered, things that logic and rationale couldn't have couldn't have sorted out things that our own gifts couldn't have even brought us in the rooms the holy spirit is going to open things up as we learn how to be a people who minister on this word and so i don't want us to be dramatic or anything tonight but i just i just would love us to respond and and um you know i might pray for some people let's just take a few moments and respond to the lord just if you feel like god i just I just want to be in with this and I just want to respond I just got it I want to give you more <laughs> I just want to give you more and so <clears throat> I don't want people to feel like you know as we've been responding over Sunday nights that you can't respond again because part part of this is all it's, it's just we just want to give we just want to keep giving because he's so worthy and he's worth it and we really want to realize that revival is in him and him alone and we just want to give him the joy of ministering on his heart so if, if you feel like the Lord's saying that to you tonight, I just want to honor the hunger in the room and what the Lord's doing. And so if you, if you just want to slip up to the front, come up to the front around me here and into the space or out into the aisles, and just let's just kneel before the Lord and just commit our hearts to ministering onto His heart. If you, if you can do that tonight, let's just, let's just come and respond and say, Lord, I just feel like you're drawing me into a new place in my prayer life. I just feel like you're drawing me into a new place in my private devotion and um, Lord I, I, I want to just move beyond just just receiving as amazing as that is I actually I want to give to you tonight Lord I want to give back to you maybe you're here tonight and you're just a young believer and you've never I'm maybe not even a Christian and you've never really heard stuff like this before it's always been about you know just uh, making a decision and that's really really important you need you need to make a decision tonight if you don't know Jesus as your savior but the cost for you the perfume that you're given if you like tonight is just your life it's just your whole life just giving it to Jesus and I want to encourage you to come and just allow his presence just to come and move in your heart and move in your life because it's a beautiful thing to Jesus this is a you need you need to hear this tonight and some people think this is a waste what, what we need to hear tonight, this is a beautiful thing. This is a beautiful thing tonight. This is the most beautiful thing. This is a beautiful thing, Jesus.
fancy prayer <laughs> just wherever you are just just give to the Lord just just thank him just give something that you need to give to him back to him or maybe even for the first time just even if you want to start just speaking that out singing a song just, just allow, allow our hearts in these moments just to minister onto the heart of God to minister onto the heart of Jesus Come, Lord Jesus, pour it out. Just pour it out. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.